Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. It didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Initech. No, you're working at Initech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke. Don't do If I had a million dollars, <coughs> if I had... Well, Sachs and Jackson. I'm tomorrow. Andrew on the board. Andrew back on the board. Um, <coughs> S&P futures up 19. NASDAQ futures up 94. In case you haven't heard, everything is all right with the world. If you have stocks and if you have fixed assets, the Fed is going to help you out. To maybe the detriment of other people. We don't know about that necessarily. It might be harsh to say. So I'll hold that one back for a bit. Uh, we have Mr. Kevin. Good morning. How are you? Oh, living the dream every single day of my life. Well, you know, you're you're edumacating people. That's a good thing. Um, I do that, yes. A- actually, I, I really love doing that. So, <laughs> so there. Well, there you go. I mean, I wouldn't... Uh, you're, uh, you're part of the solution, you're not part of the problem. And how many people can say that? Um, not, not very many, yeah. I mean, it, uh, it, is, it is kind of a uh, cool thing when you think you have a chance to uh, make, a, make a difference to people. I uh, was listening to a young lady this morning, and the, and the uh, well, I'm assuming she's younger than me, so I can say young lady, um, on the radio talking about um, downtown perceptions and crime in Chicago. And uh, it's pretty interesting, actually. It was, uh, she was uh, uh, talking about North Michigan Avenue, and she says everybody is still thinking that it's, it's 2020. And they, you know, the amount of crime, she goes, it was all part of the, you know, the, the COVID, the, the stuff with the, the Floyd thing and the riots. And, and she said they had all kinds of problems with uh, organized crime, uh, stealing from groups, and as soon as they found, essentially, the group, and uh, now it, it's gone way down to where it's not even really a problem. But she says the the perception is still there all over the place. And, uh, you know, who knows if she's right or not in terms of it being down to where most people think it ought to be. But it is pretty weird, though. The perception is there, isn't it? I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to break through, and you wonder how you're going to, you know, or if you're, or if you're ever going to. Uh, you're never going to. How's that? How's that yeah. for a depressing thought? Yeah, well, we've got Target up fifteen bucks on their earnings. We just are. We're going to the moon here, absolutely to the moon, Kevin. It's a scary. Well, I, yeah, I don't. I, you know, I think everybody is is happy because Target um, uh, Target looks so good um, on on the surface. But I'll bet you, by the time we get to the end of the day, everybody will have dug into their volumes. <laughs> And they won't <coughs> like it so much. Doesn't, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, it does tend to matter, though. I've seen a lot of, you know, I, look, I, I don't pay that as close attention to this as, as you do. Um, however, um, I, I, I have seen enough in the last, oh, I don't know how many months, but, you know, 
recently enough that suggests that people do start, you know, taking a little bit longer look um, as, as they go, and um, and you start to see, you know, everybody's seeing the softening. Every, you know, all, you've got all the CEOs of the retailers who are out there saying, yeah, this is, uh, uh, you know, the outlook isn't so hot going forward, and so I think it's, you know, I, I think people will notice. Um, boy, it's a good thing you're not trading. <coughs> Just saying. Well, yeah, and it, it, that's a that's a a blanket statement that is generally true. Um, because uh, the as I've, I don't know, maybe ad nauseum, what I've been trying to say to people: the run up yesterday and the run up today. It's it has nothing to do with what these firms are doing, unless they're out of business or something. It has nothing to do with it. Home Depot came out yesterday and said their revenue was down. 3.3% from last year. <coughs> that's with prices going up. So that's horrible on, on a year-to-year basis. Stock was down 2 bucks. The CPI number comes out and finishes the day up like 19 and a half. And this morning we got them up uh, another buck. Kevin has nothing. It has to do with the money in the system and how we're valuing stocks. And the Fed has decided that regular people don't mean squat. And people with... with uh, that they have assets are going to be rich as rich as all get out, and the rest of the people are just schmucks. That's that's what we're doing here. I mean, look at the the uh, SPY the day before COVID, which was in February of uh, 2020. <coughs> Since then, we've pumped 40 percent more money into the system, and today the S&P is 450. I'm going to say that's uh, we were 333. So, where's uh, 40% is what? 120? We're at 450. Give me those numbers again. Well, it was at, it was at uh, 333 the day before COVID shut down. After that, it went down and it came flying back up when they started pouring money in the system. And today we are essentially 40% higher than we were on that day, and we have 40% more money in the system. Do the math. Forty percent, forty percent. So it equals, doesn't it? And minus and, 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 and computers were equal. Yeah. <laughs> so the we we talk about inflation. Stocks are inflated as well. Everything's inflated because we've deflated the dollar. And if we pour another forty percent in, we're going to go up another forty percent. And that's what we're doing. Amazing how that works, isn't it? Yeah, but now everybody's in denial. No, no, that's not that's not happening. These are these are great companies. I'm a shrewd investor. Well, you know, we got that great unemployment report yesterday. So what could be wrong? Yeah, well, it's a. Uh, but I mean, it, that that has absolutely nothing to do with anything until one day enough people say you're killing me. <laughs> I mean, I, I just I actually, you know, I mean, the people I know and the people on the show and stuff. Um, you know, most of them have a few bucks. They've had a, they've had a nice career, uh, but I, I look around now, Kevin, and I'm I'm absolutely horrified at what some of these prices are. I mean, I yesterday I made the statement, you know, I just off the top of my head or off the bottom of my ass, one or the other. Now I'm thinking I, I wasn't very far off. If if you're sitting there and you got you're still working and you got your house, your mortgage payment, or your apartment, or whatever it is, and you're managing it pretty well, and you got a quarter million dollars in the bank. You think you're okay. Um, 
I'm going to say a new truck, a new roof, and four days in the hospital, and you're negative. Well, I don't even think you need, for most people, you don't need the uh, the four days in the hospital, but if you, if you have the four days in the hospital, you don't need any of the other stuff. Right. I mean, it's, the, the, the I think most people have no idea of how much this stuff has gone up and and to the point where nobody can pay for it. I mean, nobody can pay for it. I mean, the, the guy in the building here has to go, uh, well, I'll just say a procedure, or I won't say colonoscopy. They want 20 grand for colonoscopy. And his, his deductible's five. He's probably paid some of that, so it probably won't cost him all five. His deductible's five, and he, and he has to pay 10% of the bill. So he's up to seven. I don't I, Since when did a colonoscopy become more than like five grand or four grand? Or is it, I mean, I, I, I don't trust these people as far as I can throw them, and I don't trust our, our government to track which we pay to keep track of essentially monopolis or oligopolis are they charging him on the gross price the hospital's charging or are they charging him on the net price the blue cross pays but i don't i can't i can't believe blue cross is paying 20 grand for a colonoscopy i mean i, I, mean, I haven't asked him to look at his bills or anything it's not my business but good lord I mean, what, 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 oh, but they, see, they don't care though. They're not. They're not negotiating on behalf of their customers. They're just saying, okay. You know, they look at it and say, okay, we'll just charge accordingly. No problem. And you know, the negotiation happens between the uh, you know the HR directors and the um, uh, and the uh, uh, you know the insurance company and you know the HR directors are. You know they're not going to be uh, in, in the uh, in the same area either. No, I just I mean I this in, this incredible uh, um, largesse we have. They had the uh, guy from uh, Eli Lilly, the CEO last week. He was on, and of course he'd never come on Stocks and Jacks because I might ask him a couple of questions he didn't want to hear. But they're asking him about you know evidently the cost of these new fatso drugs. I'm sorry, weight loss drugs. Uh, these new fatso drugs are, are to the moon, and everybody's got one now. And there's a clamor for them, and there's a shortage of them, and blah, blah, blah. I think they're talking, what, is it $1,000 a week or something, or is it more than that? I'm not sure. I should look that up. But it, it's a lot of dough. And, uh, and the guy's talking about, uh, well, you know, we'll start giving people discounts. For God's sake, is this, is this a lady's dress? It's a thousand bucks, but fifty percent off. It's only five hundred. I just saved five hundred. What, what are you talking about? A discount? How much? How much does it cost you to make the crap? Does any? <laughs> they never. They will never answer that. Oh, the research to this, to that. By the way, my bonus. I mean, what does this stuff cost? I mean, we're going to give somebody a patent. I, I assume these all have some kind of patents, but maybe they don't. But I think they probably do. Uh, we're going to give somebody a patent for for what? Seventeen years? We're not even asking how much. How much? We're going to give them the the, the ability to just spend forever, charge forever, and this stuff, whatever they damn well please, they just make it up. And if it's, and they'll say, oh, right, we'll give this guy a discount. Oh, really? <laughs> I, you know, Kevin, it, it's, it boggles my mind that this is, uh, this is, uh, this, this continues to go on. I mean, I don't, I don't know how you even, but, you know, people must, they must be happy with it or, 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 would, or would change, or we have no ability to change it or what it is. I don't know. What do you? 
I, I don't. Well, yeah, I don't know how much more there is to say about that, Tom. Other than you know, it's it's just um, uh, what can we say? The uh, uh, you know they they're violating the law. Nobody cares. I mean, I just because I was uh, well because Lou was so terrific with Katie last week. Uh, I was actually instead of having to talk all the time, I was I was actually listening and thinking and learning. I'm sitting there going, okay, let me get this straight. Uh, Kevin O'Neill has, fortunately you don't, a nephew or two that has some kind of special disease, and they're having trouble, and you have some dough. So there's a group you find out from Katie at Vanderbilt or whatever that is working on that particular disease. Okay, you write up a seven-figure check, and you send it down there. There's a huge donor. All of a sudden, they can hire five more people, and blah blah blah. Now Lou was saying I don't know if he got his email that the hospitals put a 30 to 50% overhead on on what those people are making and stuff. So they're making money on the research, which is cool. Um, anyway, so the money goes in there you've got Katie and a group of people working on it and I'm sure there's some you know doctors way senior to her. I mean she's just got out of college. Even though she's bright, she's probably not there's a leader to the team I'm sure. Um, so all these people are working on it. <coughs> There's probably other research at the school that they are at least leaning on from the past. And all of a sudden, one day there's a breakthrough. Now, how the hell does that new drug that cures something, that somebody's going to charge, you know, 10000 for every shot in the ass you get, um, how does that get in the hands of one of these companies all of a sudden with the school, you or Katie and her group, getting butkus and, and, and so all of a sudden somebody does this, is there somebody at the school that, that, that notifies these people and gets paid in stock how, how does that even happen you know, or, or does somebody notify them if they're getting close and they, they run out and they, do they buy it from the school do you have any idea how it even works or, or, or doesn't work well, what what are you trying to figure out you know what what happens with the person who, who grant funds the no uh, I'm saying it, if Eventually, if, if there's a cure or, or a drug that works for somebody, it's going to end up in the hands of a drug company. It's going to go get a patent, and if it's worth something, if it's a cure for some rare form of cancer or something, it's going to be twenty grand a shot. As some of the chemos now are what ten or fifteen, it's going to be twenty grand. How does the, the drug company, when you put up the money for it, or, or a bunch of donors did, Katie's group? With the help of the of the uh, research institution, does all the work. Now, granted, the drug company is going to produce it, but how do they end up? How do you end up with nothing? When when Katie says they're all separate accounting pieces for whatever research team you're working on, how how is that not some kind of an LLC or something that that is organized in some way where they at least get ownership of some kind into what they just did? Well, it's it's negotiated with the uh, um, with the funding as to who's going to be the, who's going to own the research. I don't think anybody who sends in a check. I don't think you ever get a part of that. Oh, I, yeah, I agree with you. That um, you know, the, uh, there are times though when the universities hold their uh, hold the patent uh, and make a lot of money off of them. Um, how often? I, I don't know the statistics, Tom. You're asking me something the way I have. I just I'm, I'm curious how that all works because all of a sudden, who gets to price it? You know, who, who 
I, you know, how, how does how do people figure out what's if it costs fifty bucks a shot? Can you charge ten thousand, twenty thousand, seventy five hours? I mean, who, who determines that? I mean, this whole idea of this. I, if, boy, I tell you what, if you put me in the, I'd do two things if I was in the Oval Office. First thing I'd do is I'd blow up this patent patent thing, and as as I was blowing up all these corporate these uh, monopolies, and nobody'd want me in there, would they? Really? No. No. But, but Tom, nobody wants you anyway, so no. That's true. Nobody wants me anywhere, so. But, so never mind. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> so how how about those bulls? Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> so now the bulls have decided maybe they're a dysfunctional group, and they're gonna they're gonna maybe trade Jay Levine, and he says that he's. Well, Jay, Jay Levine is a very different person from. Uh, um, <laughs> Jay Levine is the old ABC local ABC news guy. Yeah. Uh, what's, his, what's his name? Uh, Zach Levine. What's the difference? The Levine. Uh, what, yeah. What's the difference? Uh, yeah. Except the fact that Jay Levine's probably, if he's alive, is probably eighty years eighty years old and uh, never never looked like an athlete to me. Uh, isn't that the truth? Uh, anyway, I, I want to talk to you about a couple of things. I was out with uh, some of my attorney buddies last night that you know do um, defense work for. A lot of the people that are in county jail and stuff, and uh, it was interesting. I, the uh, there's there's half as many people in the jails there were was like three four years ago. I don't know if you knew that or not, but uh, used to be eleven thousand in there. Now there's five, fifty five hundred or something. A lot of home confinement. Uh, a lot of uh, people wearing bracelets. A lot of stuff like that. Um, but anyway, the. Uh, I was asking him, you know, I'm, I'm convinced, Kevin, that a lot of the problems we're having in politics, whichever side you happen to be on, are not really problems with the politics. They're problems with the the ineptness of the people in the bureaucracy. And uh, I got an inter- interesting conversation last night uh, where he, he was saying it really used to be fun on, on some level because these dudes love the law, right? They're all disciples of Mike Toulman who absolutely love the law. I mean, and, uh, and they think that the law is, is, is so important. It's the only place in the world that has laws like this, and we actually give a crap when, whether people are guilty or not. Um, and I think that that is the strength of this country, or at least it used to be. And, and he says, you know, it used to almost be fun because you're going against, even though there's, there's a defendant there and there's, there's somebody, you know, somebody in trouble, uh, you're going against people that are, really talented on the other side you know it's almost like this TV show Jack you know I mean we're you're, you're, go, you're going against somebody who's competent on the other side and he says it was a uh, not only was it, if somebody was innocent it was fun to get them off but also was fun to the fight was part of the was part of the fun you're going against somebody competent and it's, it's like you know, like me going on the trading floor knowing the people I'm trading against are competent people when you come out as a winning day you know, it's a big deal because you're going against people that are pretty damn good. You know, it's like a softball game. You know, you play a good team and you win, you feel good, right? Uh, yeah. So he says, even even simple stuff now, like the discovery, they they can't get a discovery on time, so everything gets, everything gets postponed because they because this this was never a problem. You know, whatever, whatever evidence they have, they have to let you know what the evidence is. I mean, people I think all know that. He goes, they they can't even get it to you on time. And he goes, I got the last two cases. That are now pushed way off because the guy who was on the other side quit, and they don't have anybody to take his place. So there's no there's no attorney on the prosecuting side because it's just it's just rampant incompetence up and down. It's it's not like the, the you know people are bad or anything like that or, or, or looking for the wrong stuff. 
they, they just don't know what they're doing. I mean, and you, you kind of wonder, every level of bureaucracy, I mean, who's, who's ever in the White House, I think they have to deal with that. I think Obama had to deal with it. I mean, certainly Bush did with Katrina. I mean, I, I don't know. Is, is, this the, is it the school system? Is it the fact that people were never in the Army or the Air Force or learned how to do stuff with people? Or what, what, it, it, just, it just kind of exudes all over the place. That people are, I mean, I mean, I look at the police department, I see, I know a lot, of, not a lot, I know some of the people, they're, they're the salt of the earth. I mean, they're, they're terrific people. Yet I look at all these areas, and I never see anybody get ahead of one of the hoodlums. I never see anybody pulled over. I never see anybody, st- whatever they're doing, it, it, it just isn't working, Kevin. I mean, does anybody even take a look at it and say, guys, whatever we're doing isn't working, we better, we better change this ship up? I, at least if you're trading, you know, if you... You get scored every day. So if, if the market's going up and you're not long enough, duh, like anybody who does anything protected like me, you know, you sit there and we had a really nice day yesterday, but, you know, it should have been better type of thing. And, I, and all I do is think about it, it should have been better. It's not my job to say, oh, no, God, this is, this is the greatest performance ever. These guys get in this, where they, they start grading themselves, Kevin, and whenever you start doing that, it seems like there's this degradation. But there isn't, these people haven't gone through your classes, it doesn't appear. They don't, they don't know how to work with each other. I mean, this guy's telling me that the, that the court system is totally in disarray because of incompetence, not because lack of uh, direction or anything. They just know what they're doing. I mean, how, how do you deal with that? I mean, how can you deal with that? Yeah, how do you populate a whole system with people like that? Well, uh, a, a couple of things. First of all, you know, Lou always says, you know, what happens when you have ideologues? They, uh, you know, they, they, they can't handle the uh, the cognitive dissonance of their policies not working, uh, so they just think, you know, you, you, you just have to do the same thing and do it more, do it harder, get it more money. Um, you know, that's exactly what we see with the schools all the time. Don't they always say, well, we just don't have enough money. Yep. So we give them more money and they still fail. Um, so, you know, that, that's part of it. Um, I think the other part of it is uh, um, an, an old friend, gosh, somebody I haven't seen uh, or heard from in, in probably a few decades now, uh, Pete Zulu used to say, uh, used to say, when it comes to government, so the only thing worse than the government lackeys is the government lackeys' bosses. Yeah, well, uh, that, that that you know, and and he was a you know he worked in the prosecutor's office for a while, so he was he was he was well versed in uh, what what Chicago government was like. Actually, he worked in the corp counsel's office. Uh, uh, he worked he worked with Bob Golden when the two of them got out of law school. Well, it's uh, yeah. I don't. There was the uh, for some reason, you know, people who work for the government now they seem to they all get paid fine, and it's. But I, mean, I can't believe the people at the Federal Reserve here don't, haven't come back to work yet. Some of these guys are one of my best friends, but, but what what are you doing at home? <laughs> I I don't get it. Uh, you know, they they make a reservation when they come in and use a desk like once a month. How do you come in once a month? I'm not saying everybody has to be there every day and. You know, you can't do Friday morning some home or something. I'm not, you know, I'm not do- that dogmatic. But if, if it's a company, you can do whatever you want. It's your company. If you think people should be here one day a week, fine. Two days a week, fine. If they can live in, in, in Idaho, fine. That's up to you. Nobody, it's up to you guys whether you go up or down. But I, I, don't, I don't need federal people that I pay telling me that they, can, that they never have to come to work. I mean, I don't... No, it's not up to me to say they need to be here three days or two days or five, but never, really. I mean, I, 
I don't get it. You well, know. And, and and having done it both ways, um, it, it, I I just don't think there's a substitute for, um, you know, for being in the same place in person. And that's that's for a number of reasons. One is this is how you build working relationships. This is how things get done. But also informally, this is you know ideas, innovation. None of it happens if you got if you don't bump into each other all the time, because so much of the good stuff that happens in in a workplace happens because people just happen to or just were having a conversation about something completely different or they were both bitching about the same things at work or whatever it was it doesn't even matter um, uh, Tony Shea the, the late Tony Shea uh, used to call this the return on luck the idea that just by and, and, and the idea of creating collisions making people bump into each other designing your workplace so that people can't go hide out someplace um, you know that was that was what it was all you know that was how that they they became an innovative company when he started Zappos uh, and, and I think that stuff is all so important and we're, we're losing it because people just you know can't be bothered to go into the office well the uh, certainly and, 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 and you've given many examples too of all the why it's so darn expensive to go into the office so I get that piece of it the, you know that, that we've made it uneconomical to go to the office on top of the fact that we are just allowing it and shouldn't be uh, that, I mean this it's all part of the madness and that's all part of where we are and we haven't figured it out yet well I think that you know it, it should be left to individual companies and individual departments and people I mean that you, you but there is a contrast you know the, the person who says I'm just as efficient from home I never want to see anybody okay that that's your opinion and it might actually be true. I mean, I don't know for whatever job somebody does, but I know for Audrey, I mean, she she's a real estate person, has her own firm, and she has an office in her house, and nobody's there but her two dogs. So yeah, she's not bothered. There's not people, you know, once in a while the dogs barking in the background, but there's no reason for her to go five miles east, show up at the office for 15 minutes, and then go 10 miles west to show somebody a house. I mean, I get that, but. Um, I also know that Google wasn't that their big thing where they didn't have any offices. Everybody was in a room. They didn't even have cubicles, so everybody could communicate with each other and all the stuff they were doing wasn't. So, and they thought that was they the thought r- it was important at one point. Didn't yeah. They? So now all of a sudden, both of them can't be right. Right. I mean, for, I mean, I'm not talking about for Audrey. I'm talking about for Google. All of a sudden, now these people never talk to each other or or zoom each other. Or, plus, to be perfectly blunt. <laughs> uh, when I went to work for Pullman, before there were cell phones, before there were computers, I had to, just to do something, I had to talk to people and find out everything about the project that I was in. I didn't sit there sending emails to my buddies all day. You know, I mean, it, I couldn't. So you had, rather than sit at your desk by yourself, you had to get your ass up and go talk to somebody and find out, okay, what about this contract? What about this? I mean, you, you were forced to do it, A, because you were bored, but B, because that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, I think it's pretty easy to hide out these days and not do anything. But right. anyway. Tom, I, I actually get in the car and go to Indianapolis even when I don't have to because when I have to work, I work with the people down there often, and it, it's worth a day trip just to, to go down and to sit down with people face-to-face once in a while. So, you know, every month, maybe every six weeks, I just go. 
you know, that's that, that's my habit because I, I need working relationships with people that far exceed um, you know the the need you know the specific need. There, we don't do anything I can't do via Zoom, uh, but we do it in person. I do the same thing with the uh, you know my my fellow wizards who are department chairs, and we work together on curriculum committee. So I, I do every semester. I have a full time get together with all the people who are full time department chairs, and I tell them, if your campus is willing to pay for it, fine. If they're not, they're not. And uh, but but let's all get together in Indianapolis, and, uh, uh, and and let's let's sort of share concerns, questions, comments, uh, where we want to go, how we want to steer our program, uh, you know, all of those kinds of things. And I I just don't know a way to do it without. You know, face-to-face collaboration sometimes. Well, let's let's do this. Let's go to break. SP Futures up twenty. SP Futures up ninety-nine. Be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at LuckboxMagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. 
To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. Andrew's on the board. S&P futures up 20. NASDAQ futures up 99. Target comes up with the second quarter in a row of decreasing sales. The stock is up 15%. Yeah, 15%. The straddle was about 8% or 7%. So the market's expectation of movement uh, blew through that by a factor of 2. That's how giddy we all are here. Pretty scary. Um, but it's great if you're long. Um, the question is... Is somebody going to look at these prices and cut back just a little bit? Just a little bit. Not saying sell everything. Just look at it and say, this is pretty good. We cut back a little bit or not. I think the answer is probably going to be or not. We're in Europe. We have the now FTSE just turned positive for the year. The DAX up 102.6%. FTSE up 68.9%. Uh, Kakaron up 34.5%. We're in Asia. We've got the uh, Nikkei up 823, 2.5%. Hang Seng up 682, blowing through 18,000. That's 4%, 18,079. Shanghai is up 16.5%. So Hang Seng has gone from 17 to 18, I don't know how many times in the last few months, but just just violently, just violently. Uh, we're not sure exactly what that all is about, but um, yesterday the Dow was up 49, S&P up 84. Yes, 84, that's almost 2%. NASDAQ up 326, 2.4. There's a CPI number that came out a little better than expected. Nobody believes the number. Uh, nobody believes anybody. Whatever. Uh, to say that too much. Ten-year up three percent, four point four eight. The bond unchanged, two point six zero. Uh, Japan down five basis points, point eight zero. It's probably one of the reasons why the Nikkei's up. Oil is down thirty-five cents, seventy-seven ninety-one. Brent down thirty cents, eighty-two seventeen. Natural gas up eight cents, three eighteen. Arbob down two cents, two twenty. We got gold going back up again here, up eight ninety, nineteen seventy-five. Uh, so we'll make it trying to make it back to 2000 again. We'll see if it makes it this time. Silver up 31 cents, 23.44. Again, what a great buy at 22 and a half. Now, again, is it a sell at 23 and a half? We'll see. Copper up two cents, 370. We've got Bitcoin up 1,038, 36,376. After it was getting clobbered yesterday, it came flying back. Uh, your, the uh, dollar is, is uh, um, it's actually up a little bit. The, with the euro, but the euro made a big move yesterday. But the euro's back to 108, which is higher than it has been, and the British pound is three is 124. They both got, what were they went flying up yesterday and are coming down a little bit today. It's a huge move in the interest rates yesterday, as people you might expect with that CPI number. Um, I don't think the CPI number was that good, and I don't know if I believe it. But anyway, the market does. Andrew, what do you have for us? Traffic, weather, sports. All right, it is uh, Wednesday, November 15th, and it's currently 6:41 here in Chicago. Starting off with just a little bit of sports. Yesterday, uh, with some hockey, the Coyotes played the Stars, and the Coyotes lost. That game ended 3-4. to four. 
Moving over to Chicago weather, it is currently 44 degrees. we got clear skies right now. We're going to have a high of 59 degrees today. And over in Phoenix, they're currently at 67 degrees. they got cloudy skies, and they're going to have a high of 85, and that high is going to hit around 3 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, it looks like, thankfully, the only uh, major thing to take note of is there is a disabled vehicle uh, blocking the right lane of the Tri-State going north right before I-88. Uh, that was updated just about six minutes ago. Other than that, it's about traffic as usual. A little bit heavy if you're going inbound in the downtown, uh, coming outbound around the middle of the Eisenhower, and on that Kennedy, there's a little bit of, uh, excuse me, delays on the outbound. But other than that, no specific accidents to note. So that's all I got. Back to you, Chief. Kevin, the group I was with last night was uh, very interested, since one of the dudes um, uh, is a big Marquette fan. He went to Marquette. I uh, actually went to Marquette, talking about showing some age, on a football ride. <laughs> they disbanded the team. I, I remember when I remember that they had football. I never have any memories of Mark Marquette. I don't either. I know they, but he. Uh, they said we'll we'll keep you on scholarship. They used to have intercollegiate boxing in those days. They said we'll keep you on scholarship if uh, if uh, you you box for us for your last two years. And he said okay, so he boxed for two years instead of uh, playing football because there was no football team. Can't play football if there's no it's team. Sort of right? counterintuitive to uh, um, to feeding the brain, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, go to class, fill up the brain, go to boxing, lose they, a little every day. People didn't know that in those days. They didn't, or they didn't care, or they didn't they chose not to know, or something. But uh, well, there was there was always the expression "punch drunk," so it, it, yes. it, 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 it sort of exists. Remember the uh, the movie uh, Requiem for a Heavyweight. When uh, Anthony Quinn was totally punch drunk, and all he wanted was another fight, and he couldn't even walk, basically. Jackie Gleason yeah. was his handler. Great movie. Yeah, boy, it was a great role for Jackie Gleason. He, it's a pretty serious uh, uh, drama roles for a guy who's considered all, all comedy. The uh, one of my, believe it or not, at, at the Notre Dame, I took uh, several class. I got hooked a little bit because my your freshman year, your first first semester. You took a uh, class in, the, in whatever it was, some kind of reading or something. And I ended up with a guy where we read plays, and I really liked the guy. The guy's name—he's got to be dead. Named Dr. Kenvin, who was—he uh, was went to Harvard for his masters and went to the Yale School of Drama. And the guy—the guy knew theater going back a gazillion years. So I ended up taking like three classes from the guys. One of them was—I weaselled my way out of my last Italian class. Uh, because you're supposed to take three semesters of a language in arts and letters, and I was in arts and letters economics. And after two semesters, now I'm a senior, I said to the guy, look, I played the game long enough. How about if I take a Greek tragedy class? And he goes, go ahead. You don't, you don't have to take the... So I, got, I weaseled my way out of the third semester of Italian. Anyway, um, they asked him about... The guy knew a lot about everything. They asked him about uh, acting. And he goes, anybody who, who, can, tr who can do comedy... It's easy for them to do drama, not the other way around. You can't have, you can't just assume a really good drama actor can do comedy because it's so much harder. Because, but it's, so it's not a surprise at all that Jackie Gleason is a great drama actor. Which I, you know, I, it was interesting. Well, I remember, and, and that makes sense too, because you know, comedy requires acting as well. But not everybody's funny. Not everybody has, you know, has the wit, has the presence to make others laugh. Uh, whereas uh, you know it's uh, it, it's a little bit different for 
uh, the, you know, the other way around. If you're not trying to make people laugh and you're trying to just be convincing in a role, you can do that. But anyways, I started this conversation before I wandered off. Uh, it was a pretty good game last night. Marquette, number four, playing number 23, Illinois, at home. Illinois was actually favored, but they didn't win. Yeah, and Illinois looked pretty good most of the time. They showed a lot of talent. They didn't shoot as well as Marquette, but, yeah, it was a really good game. What did, um, who do you like this year? Purdue's what, number two? Who's number one? Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't pay much attention to it at this time of year because they don't know. <laughs> they, the, the experts don't know. The, the preseason polls are just stupid. Well, I mean, I, I don't have a problem with Marquette being up there because because of this guy. I've been watching Marquette for the last couple of years, and they start out with, was it two years ago? They had like eight or nine freshmen, and now they're all basically moving out. One, one guy oh, got freshmen, drafted. Freshmen and sophomores. Yeah, they were very young. When Shaka Smart got there, they had to uh, reshape the whole team. Uh, so, uh, it, yeah, it, you know, it, Marquette's, Marquette's really good, and I, I enjoy watching them when uh, when I see them play. Uh, but to give you an example, the polls, you know, preseason poll, Michigan State. Let's make Michigan State, uh, um, you know, number four. And they lost to James Madison, and then they lost to Duke the other uh, last night was that last night yeah I think so so you know now number four has two losses so you know they may come back and prove to be that good I know they have a lot of talent on the team because I know who some of the players they've recruited are but uh, but you know the idea of a, a poll at this point is is pretty pointless as far as I'm concerned the uh, so what do you, what do you make of the coaches are is this insanity with these coaches uh, now, now, if you only had a, a better name, you might be one of these coaches. Just saying, you got to be, you got to have a two symbol of. Oh, well, first you got to say what these coaches means. I'm talking about you need to be like if you're going to be a Southern coach, you need to be like Tommy. You can't just be Tom. Tom doesn't cut it. You gotta oh, be, okay. You got to have at least a, you have to have kind of a sing-song two-syllable. Oh, uh, let me, uh, yeah. So Jimbo, like you got to be a Jimbo. Yeah, sort of like a, a Jimbo Fisher or a, a Dabo Sweeney. Yeah. And Dabo, is, Dabo is just a nickname. So I need a nickname. I need a southern nickname. Or, or, you know, but Kevin doesn't cut it. The, the, symbol, the, the syllables don't, there's no there's no ring to them. You get me? Or you, you could be like a, a, a... You can go with KL, my initials. Yeah, you go, yeah, yeah, yeah KL, that, that, would, that would work. You could do that. But I mean, you have something... Now, are, are plus, the, it, it's, plus, it's a delicious chocolate water drink. Yeah. So what? No. What are these guys going to do? The next guy they're going to pay ninety million. That, that's a good question. Um, you know, you're, you're talking when you say these guys. You're talking about Texas A&M, right? And the fact that they uh, released Jimbo Fisher, uh, and they owe him a whole lot of money. So first of all, nice job by Jimbo Fisher's agent, huh? Yeah. <laughs> they're. There was no wiggle room. Usually, uh, you know, there's some kind of buyout clause that is discounted to the uh, to some present value number at least, or some percentage of it. But no way. They're just he's going to be on their payroll for a long time. I don't know. He, he doesn't have to do anything if he doesn't want to. A lot of those numbers, though, we did this. Uh, who the hell was it? You were. Well, we did this in a while, a while ago. Most of the buyout clauses really are just. The, the uh, the contract terms. I mean, and, and the the guys who have the biggest buyouts are usually the guys who signed the most recently. Just like every other contract for services you do in the in the business world, yeah, it, it, it's it, 
you know, it, it isn't it isn't that you can't terminate early. It's just what's it going to cost you to terminate early? I, you know, I don't know. Well, so I got pretty good at that, which is why I did some consulting work doing it. Well, well, just tell you what, in, in, in the world of a terms that appear that uh, that aren't aren't so damn favorable to the uh, to the seller. Well, anybody who's actually trading for a living, you know, like I've done for my long time now, you never gave anybody. You're as good as your last week, you know. I mean, maybe if you're an executive, uh, somebody you, you steal somebody that does you know, mergers and acquisitions at Merrill Lynch, you might give that guy a contract, but you're sure as hell not going to give a trader a contract that for for 15 years. I mean, for a long time, you know, one of the biggest buyout clauses was Lovey Smith in Illinois, but he made it. He went through the whole contract without getting fired, so he never. But he was he was what four or five million a year for seven or eight years, and the, when he first signed it, he was, what, a 30-some million dollar buyout. So, I mean, it, it, it's, but it, they didn't fire him. Well, and, and typically what you what you see on these kinds of things, and I, you know, in the, in the IT world, uh, whether you're doing, um, you know, a contract for fiber services or you're doing a contract for um, uh, data, you know, I, IT, you, you know, you run all my uh, systems applications, there's a lot of upfront cost for them. In fact, a lot of these companies, now I'm not saying this on the fiber services, I think they make money right away, but they do have the expense of, you know, digging up the, uh, you know, get running the fiber, running it into your building, getting everything connected, unless it's already there, um, which AT&T in a building like yours might be, but, you know, if, if they have to uh, run from a road, you know, a mile away, so they have to dig up the fiber, they have to acquire the rights away, it's a big project to get it to you, then uh, they don't charge you for that. They just, you know, that that's built into the uh, monthly cost of the contract. And, uh, and, and when it comes to data services, if they have to write conversion programs and do all of that, they may not even make money on the first contract. It's the renewal that gets them the money because they know once you're on there, it's a real pain in the butt to move anyway. So you're going to renew. Um, and, and in fact, they'll start talking about renewal or extensions you know, right off the bat because they really do want to make some money off of you. So all that said is the buyout is just how they recover those upfront costs uh, that they have uh, if you decide to terminate early because they built the monthly price of your contract into they, they built all of those upfront costs into the monthly price of your contract. Well, so the other people that I, w- I was talking about, I think, just essentially get paid. I mean, Charlie Weiss just got paid. Right. When he there wasn't was no there. Upfront, there was no upfront cost to uh, hiring Charlie Weiss. And and he's another one. He was on Notre Dame's payroll until like two years ago. And then he was on a, was it Kansas State? He was on there there's for a Kansas, while. He was on the Kansas yeah. payroll. He, yeah, Charlie Weiss's agent did well for him too. But they owe this guy twenty five percent of the entire amount within sixty days. So they owe him uh, a quarter of seventy five million bucks within sixty days. That, that's not that's not just paying out the salary. But and they still owe more after that. Don't yeah, they? and then the remaining balance should be paid to coach <laughs> in equal annual payments beginning 120 days after the effective date of the termination and continuing through the original end date, uh, December 31st, 2031. But I and can't they believe... Probably, they, they probably don't even have a clause that says if you get another job someplace else, that offsets. Um, you, you would think even you, if you don't get paid as much, you know, if you get paid half as much, then we only owe you half as much. Yeah, I don't see that in here at all. But then again, I'm not reading the whole contract. Um, 
But but now what do you do? Uh, so now, now so now so now what do you, here's uh the uh, Fisher's buyout was the second largest outstanding in college football. The first one is uh who the hell's Kirby Smart? Kirby Smart is Georgia. All right, he's number one. 90, yeah, he's not going anywhere though. Ninety two mil. Jimbo was seventy seven. Your buddy Brian Kelly uh, is third at seventy. And, and they, I guarantee you, they'll get tired of him. Uh, James Frank, Franklin, who's he? Uh, Penn State, and yeah, they they are regretting that that contract extension they did for him. They are regretting it terribly. He's sixty four. Dabo, your other buddy, sixty four. Matt Rule, I don't remember who's he. Matt, uh, I forget where he's at Nebraska, I think. And they're horrible. But but he was in the NFL and before the NFL, I think he was someplace like uh, Temple and and successful at, at a lower level. Mark Stoops, fifty one. He's where I don't uh, know. Uh, Mark but Stoops, I believe, is Kentucky. They're horrible. Uh, Josh. Well, they're, they're, actually, they're not horrible. All right, they're not fifty one million it's worth. Pretty good for them. Josh Heepel, H E Heepel. He's where he's forty six. I think he's. I think he's Tennessee. All right, Saban's forty-four, but he's. That's because he hasn't. He hasn't gotten a recent extension. The guys, it's all the people who get the extensions like last, and then once they work a few years off, they drop down his list, right? Yeah. Then uh, Dan Lanning, another guy I never heard of, forty-four yeah, mil. Where he is. These aren't exactly household names. Some of these guys, at least not my household. Well, but they're well known in coaching circles. It's a lot. Of, so, how does the well, I mean, be pretty tough for a private institution. Of course, Irish they do whatever they damn well please. I mean, they don't. They have no. They have no boss. But allegedly, Texas A and M should have a boss. Now, if you're a chairman, are you are you going to do this again and, and hire somebody else for a hundred? And then if he, he has one bad year, you're going to fire him too. I think I I would hope that as a matter of uh, diligence. That somebody is going to look askance at the next contract because they thought they were getting when they took him away from Florida State, they thought they were getting some big time coach who was going to take them right to the top, and in fact, it had been starting to deteriorate at Florida State. So this was kind of predictable because um, the thing to remember is that you know when when he went into the Florida State job, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was directly to replace Bobby Bowden. So, you know, you go in and you replace the legend. Sometimes, you know, your success there, your early success especially, is due to what you inherited. Um, I don't uh, I don't doubt that. I mean, picking the right spot is clearly the, you know, the way to go for a coach. But, I, you know, a few minutes here, but I, we have probably how many teams that... I guess do the do the math in uh, in, in baseball. There's what thirty teams, thirty two teams. If the, if if the league is run properly, you should win a World Series. What three and a half times a century? I mean, everybody's doing the same thing. That's not if the league is run properly. That's if if your team is run pro forma to the league. Well, but I'm saying if everybody gave every coach. Five hundred million dollars. You still only got one winner next year, right? I mean, at some point, the idea that you're going to pay somebody so much and he's going to be better than all these other guys, 
it's it's absurd. I mean, if if your team goes eleven and two, and you fire his ass, guess what? <laughs> they're they're not all going to go thirteen and zero just because you pay him more. The math just isn't there. I mean, did he do that bad of a job at Texas A&M? I mean, what what what? Uh, continually disappointing is probably about. Uh, I I I'd have to pull up his record, but probably about four losses a year. Uh, but but with t- you know recruiting the talent that you know that was top of the line, uh, that that was always the criticism of him at Texas A and M is he's got the talent to be a national champion, uh, and, and and never achieves it. So um, that was, that was their big complaint with him. Okay. Um, plus, plus you know I mean you know my big complaint with the guy is always that he's just been the sleaziest uh, the you know one of the sleaziest coaches in in there. And then he went and hired Bobby Petrino this year to be his offensive coordinator, who is uh, whose sleaze factor is extremely high. So you know they they just weren't bringing good people into the into the program and in, into the uh, uh, into the university. And I, you know, to me that's almost an unforgivable sin. First of all, it, you you don't you don't succeed long term with uh, unless you have good people. I mean. Uh, you know, solid. You know, with a, a moral core and with you know all of those things, you can get some short-term gains out of that. Um, but um, but eventually that takes its toll, and I think that's you know that was the part that when they hired him that they missed um, is you just you weren't hiring what I consider to be a good guy. It's like UCLA with Chip Kelly, same thing. You know, th- this was a guy who uh, you know he. he left Oregon ahead of the posse but the NCAA put a show cause uh, as part of their, when they penalized Oregon, they, they put a show cause uh, penalty on uh, Chip Kelly which meant dur- for the duration of that time, anybody who wanted to hire him had to prove that they couldn't find anybody else which is what the show cause penalty was. Well. In other words, they said we don't want this guy coaching in the NCAA for they can't do it forever. But they did, uh, they did make that for. Uh, well, we have we have to dash. Brave, if I was going to be one of these coaches, I'd have to have you as my D coordinator or something, something like that. Um, if I was going to be one of these coaches to be interviewed, and they want me to win a national championship, my list of questions from for them would be so embarrassing to the state of sport. That uh, I don't think anybody would want to talk to me. I would say, how much money do I have to pay these people coming in here? Who's running that gig? I mean, how many this NIL thing? How many booster groups do we have? Can I pay my fatso offensive line guard three hundred grand a year or two hundred, whatever the number is? And I'm going to also would say, by the way, who's our who's our big sponsor? Is it Nike? Is it Adidas? Is it somebody? If I identify three people that maybe should be going to the NFL in the third or fourth round, can I have these guys sponsor them enough to where they're on our team for one year, be it a quarterback, a D-back, or somebody? These would be the questions I would ask. Because if I can't do that, I'm not going to get over the top. I can can have a good team for you. But this idea of recruiting kids out of high school, and that's going to be your team for the next four years, that's as old as the dodo bird, Kevin. I think if if you think that's going to put you over the top, Forget it. You need. No, I think I think you. It's just like a, a major league baseball. You have to have a foundation, but then you go. You know, when when you have the solid foundation, you build that, 
um, you know, sort of where the Cubs are now. They have they have uh, young guys on the team, and they have uh, the number two rated uh, farm system in Major League Baseball right now. And so there's going to be more talent in the pipeline, but they're going to have to fill in the blanks with with free agents, like they did with Dansby Swanson, and like they will, uh, and and they did to an extent. They they got lucky on. Um, uh, 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 center fielder Bellinger. Uh, Bellinger. On, they got lucky on Bellinger, but I'm sure they'd like to bring him back uh, now that he's a free agent. Uh, so you know you you have to fill in the blanks with the veterans, and and you make it work that way. And it'll be interesting to see how they do that. They may need a veteran pitcher too. So I, uh, they have some good young pitching talent, but they may need a veteran pitcher that they have to do. I, I think that's I think that's it's that same model in college right now. I, if 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 that's your whole team, if you want to bring in a whole new team, you know how's that working out for Colorado? They got some early buzz, but now they have a losing record. Yeah, I I uh, the the Bellinger situation. I'm I'm a real fan uh, of the dude. I think he had a terrific year, uh, and he seems like a very likable guy. I. Uh, but he's also been in the league now, what, five, six years. He's had two really good ones, really, really good ones. No way on earth I pay this guy eight years in a row, expecting him to do it eight years in a row. Because if I did it the first time, I had to wait three years for him to do it again. I'm just not going to do that, Kevin. Yeah, so so it's, there's an economic decision, and, there, and somebody's going to, if somebody wants to just either uh, pay too many years or overpay, um, then you have to say no, and it's and you're they're in a position to say no um, because they have you know sitting there not the guy that they brought up last year, but now they have uh, you know Owen Casey is one of their top prospects who is an outfielder, um, uh, a left-handed power hitting outfielder who also plays first base. So they have that same guy. There's no guarantee that he's going to be uh, a, a star player because that leap to the major leagues is, uh, you know, unlike anything else that they have in their minor league careers. Uh, but they have him. They have other first base prospects. So, you know, and and they have and their number one prospect is a center fielder. So I don't think they're going to sell their souls to get Bellinger. But I think they'd like to have him back because he's a good player and a good guy. And like I said, you have to have good people on, on your team if you really want to make it work. Um. I, I don't disagree, but I mean this you can't you can't pay anybody is there gonna be a nine or a ten going forward for eight years because very few people are. There needs to be some incentive laden or something in there where if you have a ten year you get paid as a ten, but if you have a five year I'm not paying you as a ten. I can't do that because if all of a sudden you get hurt, I got, I got no money for anybody else. Or yeah, or they they you know we saw that with Hayward. <laughs> Oh, we saw that with uh, Carlos. So, who's the guy going to Hall, Hall of Fame first? First thing. Uh, oh, Albert S- Pujols. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I mean, if you, if you sign him for eight years, you're paying him for eight years, but you not you might think you're you might know you're only getting five. Uh, you know, that's okay. Um, it, it it just depends on what those last three years are going to be like. Are they going to be adequate enough for you to keep the guy on your team and to keep him in and you know in the lineup predominantly or is he going to be so bad that you just can't play him? And that was what we saw with the Cubs. And Hayward is by the end of his contract, you you didn't even you didn't even want to play him because he was such a liability on offense, even though his defense was always pretty good. Well, you also have to make a determination, and we're seeing that with the market today. This, this all comes together. You're seeing it with Fed policy. First thing you got to do is say, in my opinion, 
eight years from now, uh, a really good outfielder today is 15 mil. If you think that we're going to see over the last three years the same kind of crap the Fed's doing, that eight years from now a really good outfielder is going to be 30, well, and, and, and a solid one's going to be 15. Yeah, and, that, you think, and you think he's going to be solid at the end of his contract? Yeah. Because, I mean, the, the, the Soriano is a perfect example of that. Cubs really thought, the way prices were going up, that if even he was a 5 on a scale of 1 to 10 by his last year, he'd be, he'd be okay paid. And it turns out that that 8-year period or 6-year period they had Soriano, the, the economy was not so good, and the prices really didn't go up at all. So he, yeah. was, he was so overpaid the whole way. And, and nobody, ever, nobody ever disliked the guy or ever said he wasn't a bad player. They just were pissed that he, he was making too much, right? Well, he was making. He he, he wasn't just. A, he he wasn't as good as his salary suggested he should be. Right, but if everybody else would have doubled over that period, if he'd have done the Magic Johnson thing, where he got the million dollar a year salary, and after three years, everybody knew, because because of the inflation rate at the time, everybody knew a million dollars. He was what the fifteenth best player after like two years. With the, they were shooting up so fast. Yeah. All right, we got a dash. We got to get Russell. SP futures up twenty. Nasdaq futures up one hundred five. Very short break. Be right back. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body, too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. (laughs) Call or text me at 708-349-349. 3456 that's 708-349-3456 or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com that's myhomesourcerealty.com interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs traders executives and the everyday business person consider advertising on stocks and jocks With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Welcome back, welcome back, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Allen. We're on the board. SP futures up 22. NASDAQ futures up 112. We have Target that uh, second quarter in a row they have less sales. Stock blew through the straddle by a factor of two. It's up 15 bucks. Um, crazy stuff. Do we have the professor? 
Oh, looks like he's out right now. I'm still trying to see if I can get a hold of him. Um, yeah, I'm just going through some of this stuff. When you when you have things that blow through straddles by a, by a factor of double, this is a pretty serious hype. That was. Uh, and by the way, you know we had one of our best days ever, so I'm sure as hell not complaining. I just, I just, uh, I look at what's happening, and you wonder, you know, is are these these companies? Can we really go to the sky? There's a, can we just if ever nobody ever sells, we just keep buying the market every day. Can we all become richer than, than the dreams of avarice? There's people that will say yes. I mean, uh, one of the guys I work with at the uh, Nigerian office was at lunch in some place, some Italian deli, and they were just cheering. They all had some stock, and it was up. And I, th- that's that's what's beautiful about the market. I mean, it's nice to win, um, but you have to sit there and every once in a while say, "Are we? Are we where are we here?" I mean, would. And the uh, first question, again, I don't give, not give any investment advice on uh, on the radio, but the uh, first question you have to ask yourself if you've got, if you're lucky enough, they have two thousand shares of Microsoft. It's now it's up again today, three seventy two twenty nine. They're probably going to be three trillion dollars worth of the country company by the end of the month uh, at this rate. They were a trillion dollars not very you know wasn't very long ago. Now you have to ask yourself if if you have a thousand shares of it, which is you know, three hundred seventy-two thousand bucks. It's a lot of money. Now, you you may not want to sell it. Fine. You may want to do something against it. You may want to protect it. You might want to just say it's going up. I don't want to look at it. But you have to ask yourself the question. Or you should ask yourself the question. If you didn't have any Microsoft, and I gave you a check for three hundred seventy-two thousand bucks today, would you immediately run out and buy a thousand shares of Microsoft? This is not my answer. It's yours. And if the answer is Hell no! I diversify. I do something. I buy three six. Whatever it is, it's up. It's up to you. If the answer is yes, yes, I think this company is going to outperform for the next twenty years, and I'm and I'm with them. Well, then buy a thousand shares of Microsoft. Knock yourself out, and I hope you're right. And you may be, but if the answer is no, then you know, I think there, there's an issue there. I have it because. I bought it cheaper, and I don't want to pay taxes. Eh, eh, wrong answer. You know, I, I got it because, you know, my 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 dad, uh, whatever, uh, you know, my my dad had it. Is your dad still alive? Uh, no. <laughs> well then, guys, I mean, what what are we doing? Uh, you know, it's one of those. You know, it 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 comes down to you. I mean, I had uh, one one client. Um, uh, who came in? He had a boatload of Exxon. We just, I mean, it was a real concentration issue. And I said, okay, first question: um, If I gave you, it was like you know, a couple million dollars worth. And I said, if I gave you a couple million dollars and you had no stocks, would you run out and buy all Exxon? Well, hell no. Um, the uh, okay, then uh, why do you have it? Well, it's from my dad. All right, I get it. Um, is your dad still alive? No. If your dad was alive and I gave him million eight, would he put it all in Exxon? Well, hell no. Uh, okay then. <laughs> you know, um, what are we going to do here? Do you want to keep it? Do you want to protect it? You want to sell some? You want to sell none? I mean, these are not these are not my decisions as a money manager. These are yours. It's just up to me to say, what do you really feel about this? Where are you here? I mean, are are you stunned that the market has made this move in the last couple of days? Do you want to lighten up 5%, 10%? Do you want to do... 
Or you may think that what's what's happening with, with money is going to keep happening. And by the way, I might almost agree with this. It's going to keep happening, so you, you, have to, you have to have some assets someplace. You have to have a building other than your building to, in order to keep pace with inflation because you're never going to get that kind of raise at your job. I mean, if, if you have the wherewithal to do that, those are going to be the people that are, are somewhat wealthy because it's, it's we're, we're picking up wealth in this country. We're not picking up income. There's a big difference. And uh, you know, I try every day to, to explain that because it's not all that intuitive, but um, you know, it, it, it's there. So you, you, a lot of stuff swirling around you, like the last few days, you know, don't think for a second, as much as we had a big day yesterday, don't think for a second that a couple of our stocks were up 5 or 10% because I picked the right stocks. At least I don't have that ego. I know that, that stocks were up yesterday because the Fed came out with this, this CPI number, whether you believe or don't believe, uh, and the fact is it juiced the market, and people must have got caught short or somebody knew the number was coming and got it long ahead of it. Whatever it is, don't think for a second that yesterday was because you were a genius. Like I said, we had a big day, and I don't think I'm a genius because we just happened to be long a few spots. Uh, just saying. So, I mean, it's a, you know, it, it, it's kind of one of those uh, situations where you, you, ju- you just need to be in a position to assess your portfolio the way that it is. And when I see stuff like, you know, Target having an $8 straddle and a thing moving $16, I, I get a danger sign. I mean, we're talking about all, you know, the, uh, the, the professionals in the industry are saying this thing should have an $8 move and it doubles that. I mean, when we're talking the, some of these stocks, I mean, I, Home Depot came out yesterday morning with essentially crummy sales numbers. So every single place that has come out that's a big place, Walmart, which their earnings are going to come out, but their, their uh, CEO two weeks ago or three weeks ago said the consumer is slowing down. We had, we had Walmart say that. Now we got Home Depot saying that. We got Target saying that. Now, how many more people down the line, you at least in the back of your mind, have to have the idea that there's somewhat of a disconnect here? Now, whether it's a serious one or not, time will tell. Uh, but, but there is somewhat of a disconnect. Now, if you're a big believer in the trickle-down theory, you know, enough people are going to sell their stock and run into Home Depot and remodel their house to, to where Home Depot is going to be up to the moon again. And, oh, by the way, you know, all the construction workers are going to make a lot of dough. You can believe that if you want, you know, but, uh, you know, I believe in a tooth theory too, I guess. I mean, it's, you know, how, how is this money, this wealth, going to get translated into income for enough people to keep it going? I, I, don't, know how that, I don't know how that happens. Because, I mean, we've got a, we've got a VIX here. It's down to fourteen twenty-two, and we've got stocks moving fifteen twenty percent in a day. Big stacks. Now, that's a, you know, that that that's, that's somewhat of an issue, I think, to some and to some extent. Um, now, whether or not it's it's a deal breaker for the economy forever, I mean, I don't think so. Um, Andrew, what are you seeing in, in your other jobs? Do you have people showing up? Is is is, is business good or no? Um, yeah, I would say that. Um it might be changing with the weather now that things are going to get a bit, uh, you know, not as nice outside. Um, but we definitely don't have many days that are empty. Um, are you, without Rod asking any, any stupid questions, uh, the, uh, maybe too late. I was at the uh, Chick-fil-A last week, 
and the, the family in front of me, the guy with the two daughters and the, and the son, the son's probably 12, daughters 16 and 14 or whatever, got, you know, a sandwich, uh, like a side or two, and because and a, and a, the sandwiches are so small, and it was, it was 80 bucks for lunch. I mean, are you guys at that level? No, uh, <laughs> not at all. I, that, I have never been a fan of Chick-fil-A because it's like as good as it is, yeah, it is, it is way too expensive. And you're not getting like it, it's good, but you're barely getting any food for your money. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about you know two ounces or three ounces of chickens, twelve dollars, and chickens what per pound? For God's sake! Yeah, it looks like we had, we had Michael Murphy on here for a second. I was answering the question, but he just he disappeared again. I'll see if I can get him right back on now. Yeah, we might as well do our uh, our report of uh, of world what's going on in the world uh, uh, from him because he knows about all that stuff. Since we don't seem to have. Russell, Russell usually lets me know if he's flying somewhere. Uh, you know, he might be in the discussion as the new football coach down at Texas A&M. We don't know. You know, it's Russell's a big shot in those regards because I uh, like to get Mike's uh, view of what's going on in uh, uh, in, the, in Gaza because it's. Uh, I mean, he clearly has the military view of it, and uh, he's very accurate in that. Looks like he's back on. Are you with us, Mike? I don't. I don't hear him. Whoops. What's he doing? Fumbling over there. He's playing defense. Looks like he might be having some mic troubles here. Looks like he's. We we saw that you muted and unmuted yourself, but yeah, we're not hearing anything here. Um, he'll he'll find his way in. Yeah. He, and uh, because I think what Mike has been talking about uh, makes this Gaza thing very difficult. And uh, you know that the Hamas has got themselves buried into the place in such a way where they are. You know, using hospitals as a shield. It doesn't surprise me. They're, they're not good people. Yet, uh, they're also very aware of public opinion. Um, and you have to fight your war because Hamas is not, is not something that is uh, good for Israel. But you also have to do it in a way where you don't turn public opinion against you by obviously shelling a hospital. So it, it's, a, it's a real tough thing to do, especially when you're in you know, essentially national TV every night uh, to a certain extent. And I uh, just hope that whoever it is, that they, that they come to some for, sort of conclusion before the thing gets totally out of hand. And I just hope that the Israelis and us and everybody else have that. I mean, I, I think that the Biden administration, for whatever reason, um, it, it seems to be very uh, attuned to that. Now, whether that's just show or where they actually are or not, I don't know. But... Uh, I hope that who's ever behind the scenes in Washington are our best people. I think always somewhere along the line we have good people in a lot of spots. Whether they ever get to come to the light of day or not, who knows. But I think we do have people that are pretty darn talented there still that probably have been there through several administrations. Um, and that's somewhat of a hope I have. But, uh, you know, it's, you, you can't let... But then the question comes down over the next decade or two, how do you fix an entire area of the world? I mean, how much the degradation we've seen in that area in the last 20 years has, has been spectacular. Um, I mean, I can remember, you know, Syria being a, a you know, or, or Beirut. Beirut certainly was a, was a tourist uh, attraction. Um, Syria wasn't never great, but it wasn't, I mean, uh, I, you know, what Lebanon surely was okay. Uh, uh, I don't think the, the West Bank was ever a good spot, but I mean, we're talking about I, I, Iraq, uh, at least 
not that I say we should have left Saddam Hussein in charge, but at least it wasn't a million different, pe- uh, a splintering of people. Now you've got massive areas. Looks like uh, looks like we got Russell joining us. Russell, Russell, you're here. Sort of. Hey. What is going? Something is going on with our Zoom today. I don't know why we can't hear anyone here. Let me get this checked out. All right, and um, I'll keep talking to you. Check it out. But uh, ah. we got somebody. Oh, there we go. Is that Russell or can Mike? Can you hear me now? We can hear you now. There we go. You know what, M- Mike? Uh, we might have you on here too because I, I th- yeah, it looks like I had a slider down here, so that must have been why you couldn't hear anyone. So yeah, we're, this is an this is an Andrew fault. Yeah, yeah, it no, is. No, it's a it's a it's a Russell fault. Russell. Uh, Russell's in London, and I, I screwed up the time zones. You're in London? What are you doing in London? Yeah. I'm at the uh, Quant Minds conference that's run by Risk Magazine. Um, wow. You don't even... I, 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 you know, I was just texting with one of my colleagues and said, I have never felt so stupid in my life, if that tells you anything about the level of what they're talking about here. Um, well, I can... <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> like uh, you know, like a uh, a new version of Black Scholes for short dated options. Um, they going through a whole bunch of new Greeks that would be associated with them. How do you? Uh, funny you should mention that. How do, <laughs> can you hear me now? Tom? Yes, yes, we can. So you're in, you're in as well. Well, good. Now we got we got three guys, but that's good. Um, I, uh, I I wonder, Russell. I was just talking mm-hmm. about the uh, the last few days with these. The market movement, this is in one man's opinion, coming from these really uh, uh, discreet moves. I mean, obviously, your your black shoals, those places, the assumptions, the assumptions were never right, but the assumptions were a continual stream of market information. And we know that it's more of a discreet stream, it's not continual. But how do you even begin to look at a, a day like yesterday, where, I mean, I, I mean, I was looking at the target this morning, it blew through the straddle by double. You know, I mean, yeah. so whatever models people are using, Black Shoals or whatever, uh, they're saying that the target move should have been 8 bucks and it's 16 You know what I mean? Yeah, and, that, and that's not necessarily um, all the, the, the models' fault there. It's more of just the market's assumptions around what was going to happen on earnings. And because companies are, are, this is something I'm working on research-wise right now. Um, company, it used to be companies could share information with analysts as they chose, and things kind of creeped out. It started to show up in the stock before they reported earnings. So you didn't get as much volatility around earnings. So now uh, companies, uh, you know, they have the fear of God legally and where they're not supposed to really be sharing inside information until they announce earnings. So we get a lot more volatility around earnings, and you know, Target. It, it's if the consumer's good, and everybody's been worried about the consumer, but apparently we don't need to worry about the consumer after some of the earnings numbers and some of the economic numbers we've seen. Uh, it's just going to blow out to the upside. All right. So, so right. So why do you? I, I don't. I don't. I don't blame the model on that, and also over a long period of time, if you take the straddles relative to. The um, you take the straddles relative to the price moves, and like you take all the S and P five hundred stocks, um, you end up if you sold the straddle or bought the straddle, you just about break even in both cases. I'm going to say you have just as many outlier moves. I mean, I've run the numbers on this. I'm going to say uh, if you run the fact, numbers, I'll, I'll bet you an adult beverage. If you run the numbers, because I I do these 
trades all the time. You run the numbers uh-huh. for the last year, you're going to find that the that the the long premium for the first time in my career has been a clear winner. The long premium was a winner for just the index straddles in 2022, which was really unusual. So I, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if that bled its way through to the um, you know to the individual stock options. All right. So um, yeah. We're gonna, Mike. We're gonna ask him the big time question. We're gonna put you Uh-oh. on CNBC, uh, like the rest of the people on there, to talk. No, you're, you're you're gonna you're gonna put me on Bloomberg. Okay. Because they ask the good questions. All right. Go uh, all right. So, I'm gonna say you just said something about the consumer is actually in pretty good shape. Okay. Home Depot was actually, was down. I don't uh, believe that. Okay. But, but Home Depot <laughs> came out yesterday that. and said their their year over year. Revenue. This is with price increases. It was down three point three percent. It was better than expectators. The expectators said, "Where we can find where the expectators are." And now Target came out again and said yeah. the revenue is down for the second quarter in a row. So, how exactly is the is the consumer doing well if the if the revenues are down? I do, I do not disagree with you at all. But I you know I I'm doing I did this roadshow thing with Indiana where everybody seemed to think the consumer was healthy and going to continue to be healthy, although I think there are a lot of landmines in front of the general consumer going forward, um, such as increased expenses. Uh, I, I don't believe, you and I don't believe inflation is under control, although the market believes that inflation is under control now. Uh, it's, you know, it, 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 there, there are very different opinions um, out there right now. Well, I mean, I think we... There are two camps, and the... the the market is supporting the camp that we're not in. That's all I can tell you. I would, I, um, Mike is our is our military analyst, but Mike also used to go to economics classes with me, so he knows what which we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I look at the, uh, the number I was just I was just talking about. By the way, you know, everything some doggy downer on this stuff, but we had a huge day for clients yesterday. You know, it was a it was a big a lot mm-hmm. of stuff that we had been. It had been dragging. We had a lot of people wanted to be in like the XLV, which is the healthcare, was obliter- yeah. has been obliterated this year. We've we've had people in metal stocks. We've had all those kinds of things that uh, have not done as well as the as the Magnificent Eight. All of a sudden, yesterday they all came flying back. So we ended up having a, a really nice day. So oh, I'm, yeah. I'm not I'm not complaining at all. But but what I'm saying is, and I said it earlier, uh, if you look at 2020. And Mike was actually in a monetary theory class with me at Notre Dame. Look at 2020, the money supply is up 40% from the COVID start. The S&P is up 40% from the COVID start. We've we've inflated the market. The idea that I'm I'm a genius because I bought Microsoft a year ago. I'd rather be long it than short it, yes. So that part, I guess I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a genius. But it's not like... (laughs) These guys have all got forty percent greater earnings than they did back then. They don't. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's no. a, they've been inflated just like the price of gasoline. For God's sake, it's the same thing. In one man's opinion. Oh, I think that has an awful lot to do with it. Um, and, you know, a ridiculous amount to do with it. And you, you hear, I mean, at the at the conferences that I attend, you hear people citing you know, the ones that. Uh, don't think the market is right. They they keep citing the amount of liquidity that's out there, and that uh, the market really hasn't fully absorbed all of it yet. I'm going to say the market's probably, at- probably why we're getting those melt ups that we're seeing. I think the market's exactly right for all the wrong reasons. There's a big difference. 
Well, it should be higher, but not for macroeconomic reasons, for monetary reasons. Well, if if, if we double the money supply tomorrow, the market's going to double, right? Exactly. Well, yeah, I'm going it... to start doing something with monopoly money when I with with the finance club to teach them uh, to to teach them inflation. Um, I like actually... give it like get like give everybody you know fifty dollars in funny money and have them bid on a few things. And then uh, give everybody a hundred dollars in funny money and have them bid on a few things and show how prices automatically went up because everybody had more money. Actually, uh, get a load of this, uh, Mike. We had a uh, was kind of a I think it was a charity thing of some kind. The CBOE ran it. I don't, I don't know what this, but all everybody's been trading for was there. It was at the uh, Shed Aquarium. It was kind of a gambling night where you you started out with you had mm-hmm. a, you had a pony up you know three hundred bucks back when people had though. For, for your original shot, and everybody played whatever, poker, blackjack, whatever the hell you were doing all night, all night long. And if you started winning, people started throwing more money in. Like the, the place would reward somebody if you won two hands. Essentially, the amount of dough in, in, the, in the system kept growing as, as the night went on. So then there was an auction. And it, and it was like, it was, somebody put up, was it a Michael Jordan signed basketball or something? And it went for like, you know, 100 bucks. So everybody realized that everybody's sitting there has got like thousands of dollars. <laughs> so, so, so the Ryan Sandberg bat went for like five grand. <laughs> because, <laughs> so all of a sudden people realized, wait a minute, we, we, can't, we can't be bidding on this with normal prices because, because everybody was getting all these reward it's bucks. Not real, and, yeah. It's not yeah. real. That we, we have to look at what the, what the supply of the play money is in front of us. So I think, I think the Ryan Sandberg bat went for like four or five grand or something <laughs> You know, I'm bidding like three grand. I'm going, wait, I'm bid, but I, but, you, but the weird part is, you started out with your own like a real three hundred bucks, but as the night wore mm-hmm. on, that your three hundred bucks, you know, in front of you, even if you were a loser, you probably had a thousand in front of you, right? If you were a winner, you probably had five thousand. So the last two or three things at auction were they were like twenty five grand, <laughs> just just because people had the dough. I mean, it was an absolute education in, in how money supply works. We're going to go to break. When we come back. Mike's going to give us a complete review of what's going on in uh, Israel and, and if anybody even remembers Ukraine. Uh, SP Futures up 19. NASDAQ Futures up 107. Two days in a row. It's been a huge rally. We wonder if it, it might go to the end of the year. Who knows? We'll be right back. Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. 
been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, Rope Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures up 18, NASDAQ Futures up 102. You said the PPI came out minus 0.5% versus uh, 0.1% on the upside. Uh, services are actually up a little. Produce final goods were were down. I'm looking at the chart here. It looks to me like virtually all of it is in finished goods of uh, of energy is uh, uh, minus 0.7 percent, 7.2 percent. So that's uh, actually 7.4 finished consumer energy goods. So it's almost all gasoline and stuff down. Um, which they, I guess they were down for the month. Uh, producer stuff. So that's um, I don't think. People are going to go crazy on that number, like they did yesterday, because it's mostly all energy-related. But still, it's it's a uh, it's not it doesn't appear to be going up, which is what you look for when you when you see one that's going to carry through to consumer goods. Services are not down, but they were up only a little bit. Like I said, SP futures are up 17, Nasdaq futures up 93, Dow futures up 117. Individual stocks, big mover is what's well, not in the Dow, but uh, Target's up 1471. It was up 16, but still, it's way up there. Over in Europe. The rallies here as well as you might expect, as we were up after they closed yesterday. Dex up 129.8 percent, FTSE up 88, 1.2. The FTSE is now up on the year. They've been they've been sinking all year, but now they're now they're back unchanged. CAC uh, uh, round up 43.6 percent. Over in Asia, big rallies here as well. Uh, Nikkei. I don't want to forget. There's a was an article yesterday that I almost sent to Russell. It had to do with the, the government or whatever the government mortgage holder is over there is holding on to properties that are three times as big as the, the two firms that went under, and they're in trouble, yet China seems to be doing all right. Uh, Nikkei up 829, 2.5%. Hong, Hong Kong up 682, 4%. Through 18,079, 18, they were, I'm going to say 17.2 on last Friday or something. Shanghai up 16, 0.5%. So giddy over there. Yesterday is a review, Dow up 49, S&P up 84. That's a huge move in the S&P. NASDAQ up 326, 2.4%. It's probably the biggest percentage move. Uh, bonds up six basis points today, 4.50. So 
So they were down. The 10-year was down huge yesterday. Now it's coming back some. The Bund unchanged 261. Japan down five basis points, 0 0.80. It's one of the reasons why their stock market's up so much. Oil down 49 cents, 77.77, which is one of the reasons why the PPI is looking so good. Brent down 41 cents, 82.06. Natural gas up seven cents, 317. Arbob down three cents, 219. Gold rallying again, up eight bucks, 17, uh, 1974. So instead of looking like going under 1900, it looks like it might be going to 2000 or just in the range. Silver up 44 cents. 2358. Why I haven't bought this under 2250 and sold it over 2350 about 10 times this year, I have no idea. But I could have in retrospect. I can't trade last year's market though, can we? Copper up 3 cents, 371. We got Bitcoin 772 after being down yesterday a bunch. 36,110. And we have the US dollar uh, up today with the, uh, but it was, it was crushed yesterday, but it's up today. Euro is at 10085. We've been talking 107. British pound is at 124. We've been used to it being like 122. So back and forth yesterday today, but it's still uh, the dollar's lower on the on the uh, two-day event. Ah, Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right, it is uh, excuse me, 7:38 here in Chicago on Wednesday, November 15th. Starting off with just a little bit of sports. Yesterday, the Coyotes with some hockey played the Stars. The Coyotes lost three to four. Moving over to Chicago, weather is currently 44 degrees. we got clear skies right now. We're going to have a high of 58 throughout the day, and that's going to hit around 2 p.m. And over in Phoenix, they're currently at 67 degrees. they got cloudy skies. They're going to have a high of 84, and that's going to hit around 4 p.m. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, still from our first hour, no major accidents to report. Uh, we do have some pretty heavy, uh, heavy red uh, today if you're coming in, especially from the north side. Uh, basically all the way on the Kennedy from, it's like about uh, Nagel Avenue, uh, that's both going inbound and outbound, all the way to downtown is pretty backed up, and same on the uh, Eisenhower, that's the way from about uh, Des Plaines Avenue, both inbound and outbound. Uh, so expect heavy delays if you're coming in more from the northern sides. Uh, but that is all I got. Back to you, Chief. Gentlemen, hey, uh, Mike, there's been some some sort of movement that I've been hearing uh some kind of a hostages for ceasefire trade. Are we starting to see maybe the beginnings of some sort of a, uh, I won't say solution, but some sort of a cooling down over there or no? I don't think so, Tom. Just based on what, I'm, what I've am what i heard, you know, Bibi Netanyahu talk about, you know, he, he wants to, the goal of the Israelis is still to, you know, completely destroy Hamas. Now, granted, if they get 70 or 100 hostages, you know, David Ignatius is hinting at all this. But there's still over, I think it's roughly around 240 hostages. So, so I mean, 70 or 100, and, and they're actually talking women and children. So, I mean, that does help. But Israel is not going to stop until they destroy Hamas. I just think it's a it's a an absolutely done deal until Hamas is decimated. Well, I uh, how, how are they going to? Hamas has been, uh, you know, they're they're evil, but they're not dumb. They clearly have their their biggest tunnel rooms underneath hospitals and places that you don't want to bomb. Yet you can't do that either. You can't just bomb hospitals saying they're down there somewhere. I mean. How does that play out? 
well, world opinion wise. Israel is is trying to obey the rules of law. I mean, they are doing as well as they can to follow the you know the land or land warfare rules. Hamas is not, and and that's what people have to keep in mind. Hamas are just you know they're thugs, terrorists, criminals, however you want to phrase it, and they are waging a brilliant PR campaign because they you know Israel keeps getting blamed for indiscriminate uh, killing of civilians. Well, I don't think that's true. In fact, because you know I wouldn't believe those numbers if uh, they were put in front of my face. But it, it, it you know, it, it's just, this isn't going to end until Israel gets rid of Hamas, period. Well, it's going to be hard to do if they're, if they're, if they're boarding in, in houses where other people live. Well, which is essentially right, what's they'll happening. They'll still go after them, and, and they'll use, they will milk the Israelis anyways, will milk the hostages if they ever do get freed for whatever intelligence they can get and then they will continue to go after Hamas. Now supposedly Hamas is moving south at this point. So they're you know they have tunnels underneath and, and they're gradually moving south. And they are I think their number one guy is still alive, but the Israelis have said that they they have killed both the number two guy and the number three guy. So they're they're kind of without leadership, although they still do have some. But you know, we'll see how it plays out. But I think the you know the Israelis are going to go for the kill. Well, I mean, it's the uh, world the world opinion part. You know, I mean, I I guess if we got the right Chinese guy, and I'm not comparing the two, uh, he would say, "Hey, we told those guys to leave Tiananmen Square a hundred times. They never left. They deserve it." I mean, it. I don't think the Israelis are doing that. I hope they're not. But you know, you got to, you know, women and children against airplanes and tanks don't look so good. You know, however you do it. I mean, I, I thought we were, we had a couple people here, and I don't think you were ever a big fan of uh, Rumsfeld. He was Mister Shrugging Shoulders. Eh, they shouldn't have been where they were, or something. That wasn't our fault. We we missed. We didn't try and hit them. But fact is, you do right. Well, that's true, but. You know, it, it is unfortunate, but the people within Gaza, well, it's really bad because they're being essentially held as prisoners by Hamas. Yeah, and, that, well. and that's something that, you know, people, that's not being advertised in the in the rest of the world. It may be, it might be in the Western world, but it's not going to, you know, it's not hitting the Arab street, that's for sure. But everybody, you know, I mean, but this is not a new, I mean, you're, I mean, you're given... Uh, the correct analysis of it. This is not new. Everybody in Germany was not a Nazi, right? That's it, correct. Yeah. And uh, but but, my but guess, they my, all at for a time, you know, unless you were Jewish, they supported the Nazis, so th- they were part of the war effort. Well, everybody here except two senators voted to invade Iraq too. <laughs> I don't think that was a good idea, but but now the question. Let, let's flip the question and bring Russell in. You've got. Uh, Russell, I don't know if you've been listening when, when Mike's been giving these Middle East and Louis. I have been. Uh, I have been att- attentively, and because you know he knows a lot better than I do. I have my own attitude about it and my own thoughts about it. But this is not an area of strength for me at all. I and I'm probably overly biased just going into it. Well, I, I might be too. One side, one side yeah. versus the other. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm 
a Christian guy and Judeo-Christian, I guess, is my side. I just, but you and I, I think, you know, I I always look at, okay, this is horrible to say, I I always look at kind of the numbers and the situation. And I know wherever you are, regardless of the religion, if you're year after year with a 40% unemployment rate among males 18 to 35, the outcome is not good. So, so no. s- somehow, and, and that's uh, you know, you got a whole lot of people living in a in a very small area that that you know, I believe Israel is financially supporting Gaza. If, if, and tell me if I'm wrong on that one, but I I always was under the impression that uh, Israel actually funded uh, what what people refer to as Palestine, or at least some of the government's money goes there. Well, there's been a lot Am of I people. Well, there's been yeah. a lot of people that have piled money in there. I don't want to go into this whole story, but I. Did some some stuff with some people yeah. overseas regarding uh, people trying to do humanitarian aid and so forth, and they mm-hmm. said if you don't have essentially boots on the ground, ninety percent of your crap is going to get stolen. And I'm sure Mike yeah. Mike knows a hell of a lot more than that. A lot of the the rackets, the tubes for the rackets were supposed to be pipes for water, right, Mike, or something? Yes, that's correct. Um, yeah. you know, and so even the the humanitarian aid that's recently been given has been stolen by Hamas. Yeah. So, you know, the Israelis in, in, yeah. know better. They know what what they're dealing with with Hamas. So, my understanding, I saw Bibi say this once, or, or one of the guys over there say that um, there are people, there are Palestinians that are trying to help the Israeli army find Hamas. That they're just, you know, that they're they're they have a very similar attitude about Hamas as well, but they're stuck there under them. Well, they they, they didn't all vote for him. They voted him in, but not everybody did. I so I guess my I don't I don't agree with the. I mean, I I, I don't think when they got voted in, people knew what they were voting for. Well, they sure as hell didn't know when much, it, when they much vo- like when they voted Hitler in in thirty yep. three. That you know, and 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 I I've seen an interview with an Iranian cleric. Who said that um, you know that, that this was part of the plan? Was you know we get our guys in there and then you know and then eventually sneak up on everybody. This this was by design. And unfortunately, one of the things that I don't think we think about in the United States because uh, we're on a two-year election cycle or a four-year election cycle is the long game. You know these these guys are in it for a long game. Well, the and, long the long game for and t- they don't and they don't care who gets hurt. Is part of the long game. No, it's a different different mentality. I've learned that from Lou and some yeah. from Mike. I, but my question to you guys, from a, both the military and economic point of view, suppose I was some really dumb guy named like Solomon or somebody and said, "Okay, I'm going to put you two dudes, you two dudes, in charge of a of a 20 year plan to where, at the end of 20 years, somehow this Middle East for the first time since maybe Rome." looks like a real place where people can actually go to these places and visit and what it how do you get Iraq which I think is a bleep hole Lebanon appears to be a bleep hole Syria we know is a bleep hole how do you how, I mean and the West Bank I mean my buddy Jimmy went to Gaza a few years ago you know Jimmy I think uh, Russell he he said the place looked, it looked like a concentration camp I mean nobody had a job nobody yeah. I mean how, how did is there some steps to be taken from the outside without just pouring a whole bunch of money that people steal. And by the way, that's even hard to do with Russia and China doing what they're doing. Is there a way, it's not going to happen between now and Christmas, is there a way 20 years from now where these, this area can be 
people like have a job. There is an economy. They're not all just shooting. I mean, at, at one time, one point or another, and Mike knows this maybe better than you. The Irish and the Brits were the same way, where everybody mm-hmm. everybody had a brother, a cousin, a dad that was 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 hurt or wounded or a grandfather somewhere in this war between the Irish and the, and the Brits. Yet someday, somewhere, somebody was able to. I don't even remember the history of this. Maybe Mike does. Someday, somewhere, it stopped because everybody said, "Look, whatever it is, we got to forget that your grandpa got killed and my grandpa got killed because mm-hmm. it's killing us." Literally, I mean, how? Which comes first here? Is it is it a military solution? Is it an economic solution? Is it both together? I mean, how, how do you even how do you even start this mess? I, it, 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 I think it starts with the economic stuff, and this is the big thing that I don't. That, that I I just don't understand, and I'll bet you Mike has a great answer for it. Um, Saudi Arabia has over six million foreign workers working in Saudi Arabia. That's more than the total population of Gaza, from my, from what I understand. You know why? You know why is Saudi Arabia bringing people over from India? Why you know why aren't they helping people that are a little bit closer to their beliefs and I think geographically closer to them as well? Mike, is that a Sunni Shia thing or what is it? I don't think it's a Sunni Shia thing. I think that they just want reliable workers, and I guess the Palestinians are not thought of. Well, a lot of Palestinians are not thought of as reliable workers, but you know to. Um, to your point, Tom, I think first we need the military solution, and then, as Russell said, we need the economic, and we were starting to get the economic with the Abraham Accords. Once the Palestinian Authority recognizes Israel, you can begin to have some peace in the Middle East, but Israel has to be recognized and has to be given the right to exist. Until that happens, you know, it's it's just never going to work. Well, spread out a little bit. How, how do you, how do you, is, is there a military solution in Syria? Or is there an economic, I mean, it, I don't know where you start there. I mean, it's No, I, I think you have to, uh, number one, Hamas needs to be decimated. And then Israel's probably going to have to go after, um, what do you call it? Hezbollah, um, Hezbollah. Hezbollah, right. And then... Iran's got to be dealt with, but and that's a that's an age old. Now there's the Sunni Shia divide between, you know, yeah. the Shias of Iran and uh, what do you call it the, the the whole Sunni the Arab power structure that are Sunni. And what do you do with Iraq? I mean, how bad is it? Or just because they're off the front pages, you probably know more. How, how bad's Iraq? Well, Iraq still has significant oil. So, I mean, there's a lot that could be done with all of these countries because of the oil reserves. Although Palestine has nothing. But Lebanon used to be the Paris of the Middle East, at least Beirut used to be. And uh, I think Palestine could become uh, a, a viable state because of the agriculture. But you've got to get peace between Israel and the Palestinian Authority, or whoever's running Palestine. So they have enough arable land that's decent to feed themselves. Gaza probably does not, right? Well, Gaza was doing pretty well when the Israelis were occupying it, and they still have a desalinization plant. 
and the Israelis do wonders with you know water from the Mediterranean and from the Sea of Galilee or the Jordan you know the Israelis have done well with desalinization and I think they could teach their neighbors how to perform better you know agriculturally I just want to when you when you see a you see a little bit of a microcosm here even in a city like Chicago I mean um, I think we all can recognize uh, you know what a healthy city looks like yet if it doesn't look so healthy what what you fix first is not always all that obvious is it Russell I mean at least it isn't to me I mean it, you know I don't, I don't know what you fix first uh, I mean, you need you need to fix a lot of things at once but it seems like is any of this possible with with the Iranians and the, and the Chinese and the Russians stirring up everything all over the place, Mike, or no? Well, I got something to talk about with you tomorrow, Tom, about the Chinese. I personally think that they are trying to break us, much like Reagan broke Russia huh. by outspending them. So the Chinese are forcing us to fight two wars and the border, and, you know, we're, we're essentially going to outspend... Um, or we, we are going to spend our way into uh, a third world nation, which is what you've been saying, and I agree with you. Russell, what do you think of that? I, I think the more we push on this... I, yeah, I think that's... I hadn't thought of it from that angle. Um, I generally don't give the Chinese a whole ton of credit, but that that makes an awful lot of sense, and I and do remember, think Russell, real- they think long-term. I mean, they're not exactly. constrained oh, by yeah. elections. Yeah. No, they, uh, they, they, they got the long game big time. Uh, as long as that one guy's, guy's alive, I guess that, that's the long game right now because he's made himself dictator for life. Um, that's both Russia and China. where they and, and I do think that those countries will lay a bit dormant or different groups will be a little dormant. Uh, when one person's in charge, you know, I think Trump was so crazy, uh, Hamas wouldn't have done this because they wouldn't have known what, you know, for all they know, he would have dropped a nuclear bomb on I don't think that's accurate, but if you've ever heard tapes of Nixon talking about how he wanted people to think he was a little bit crazy, um, I, I feel like, I don't think Trump's is calculating, but I do think that works in his favor sometimes, and you know, you're waiting. I, I think they were waiting until the the, part, the the groups in charge that they wouldn't worry about the repercussions as much, and that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, maybe even because they're afraid that you know Trump might get back in there, and and he's crazy, and God knows what he'll do to us. Well, there's a, I think there's yeah, a huge but, difference but I between. Do think, I do think when there's a Trump in there, and there like Reagan was in there, they didn't really want to screw with Reagan after the first couple of years. And, you know, maybe you wait around until the next guy's in there. And they're willing to do that in four years. Well, some, I, I don't necessarily think that this administration, I mean, there's always a big difference, you know, the Bodeo dudes, between, I, I've been fighting with Kevin how long now, uh, regarding the oil situation. The fact is, we're producing way more oil under this guy than we did under Trump. You know, I mean, yeah. even though he doesn't necessarily like it, and Trump allegedly did, some of the stuff is bigger than the people. I don't I don't think that our defense budget is less under Biden than it was under Trump, do you? Tom, I don't oh. think it's the people. Well, I do think it's the people. I think that the Iran and China and Russia sense 
that the Biden administration is weak and they are going for broke at this point. And as Russell yeah. just said, Trump is not a rational actor, so th the timing wasn't right then. But now the timing is right. I would much prefer a Richard Nixon, who was a brilliant man, tr acting a little crazy on purpose for effect than somebody who's nuts. Just saying. And I'm not, and I'm not saying that Nixon didn't have his faults, but I just, I specifically recall hearing one of the tapes from the White House where he says, you know, just, just tell them that Nixon's crazy. He may, he may bomb Cambodia. You never know what he'll do next. But I mean, he was saying that. But Nixon, and I thought that was, you know, Nixon had his 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 faults, being the oh yeah, the being the, being the, the Quaker that couldn't, his parents wouldn't let him go to Harvard where they wanted him, but he was yeah. a a very brilliant man. He argued in front of the Supreme Court. On a, men on a mental scale, y you can't even compare him to Trump. Oh, gosh, no. Gosh, no. The only thing that they, they do have in common is uh, that uncertainty factor. And he's paradise. the last guy that I would say could have been that, you know, that, that, that global actors really didn't know what to do. And, you know, what, what China has risen to, uh, it, 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 some people blame Nixon, and I know I'm going way off topic, but blame Nixon and Kissinger on that one. But that move is actually one of the things that helped bring Russia down. Yeah, I, I, so, I don't know. I mean, there. Yeah, but I mean, expl explain Nixon, to me this. Nixon did some good stuff, but he did bad stuff too. Well, we're we are uh, well. Two questions for both of you, but maybe more for you, Russell. I think what we've done with our currency really is a technical default. I mean, I think I could write a paper that pretty much outlines what we've done. I mean, if you were to take the the, the value of a, a ten-year or a thirty-year bond from two years ago, what's the thing trading for now? For, if it was a million-dollar bond, what's it trading for? Four fifty. If that isn't a default, maybe not that, that low, but but well, lower. It, sure. it got down to get down to one point two percent, a thirty-year. So, if you bought that particular coupon that particular day, what's it trading uh -huh. for now? We're at, we're at four point six. It's got to be. Yeah, I well see, and and the way I judge the bond market's kind of funny. I use the TLT ETF, and I think it's about thirty five, forty percent off its highs. So that that's just where I kind of think. Well, yeah, okay, I, I get it. But that's six hundred thousand. I'm, I'm talking about yeah. well, there's a big difference between a ten year and a thirty because the ten year can eat your money. Yeah. There's a big difference in the present value there. You know, you know what it, the problem is? I tried to look it up. I don't have any present value tables anymore. We must have tossed <laughs> all those books out. Eh? But uh, I got one. I, I got one. I'll drop it. Off. How, uh, how? How? I guess the question is for for both of you is, and we got a dash. China. I mean, we were just talking about today. There's an article about how how much bigger their problem is than uh, Evergrande and the other place. It's like multiple times that. They're if they're screwing with us, like Mike's saying. What makes how they how they, how are they gonna last? I mean, if, if ever is one country that's not gonna outlast us well, economically, it's those guys. Yeah, it, it, I, I think with us not doing business with them, and Mike, I'm really sorry. I feel like I've walked all over you this half hour. Um, uh, but, you know, the, the fact that we're using them less and less and less, that might be another reason that they're seeing some urgency here. I mean, we're, we're, we're both going down. That's not good. Yeah. Anyway, Mike, thank you. We'll, we'll, we'll dig into this more, obviously, maybe on, uh, on uh, either, well, tomorrow. You're on, you're on instead of Lou in the morning because he's out of, the, out of town, right? Uh, so we'll talk about this this morning. Russell, we only had you for 40 minutes, but it was a good 40 minutes. 
Um, I apologize. And, and Mike, I'll just show up and talk all over you again tomorrow. How's that? Um, <laughs> That's just fine, Russell. It doesn't matter at all. Oh, uh, I, I have to say, how's, how's, the, how's the little pooch? The pooch is doing great. I, I checked in on the pooch this morning, and then I realized I needed to talk to you. And the blind one is joining us for all of Thanksgiving week. Wow. So, uh, blind, yeah, they're, they're the, the owner of the blind, Frenchie, Ava, who's my favorite dog ever. Um, she will. Uh, she's going to be with us next week, so maybe I'll put her on the air. Mike, his other two dogs just sit across the room and seethe while she's there, knowing she's leaving. But you know they might be screwed up for a whole week if she doesn't go after three days. I know they're going to be pretty. They're they're, they're going to be pretty upset. Okay, oh, there's no other way to put it. Well, good luck with that. SP Futures up thirteen. Thanks. Nasdaq Futures up eighty-one. Back tomorrow, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.